This podcast contains detailed plot spoilers, adult language, and mature themes. Listener discretion is advised. Antiquities. Today we are going to review episodes two and three of Star Trek Picard season three. Welcome back to the show, guys. This is our second review of the season. So how's everybody getting on tonight? Doing good. Sipping on some chamomile tea. Yeah. Uh, did you take sugar with that? <laughs> no, I'm off sugar now. I'm off Doc. the sugar. Now I got this chamomile tea addiction. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, shit. I mean, there, you know, we don't have too much of a format here. I assume we've all just watched episode three. So that's probably fresher in our minds than episode two from last week. But maybe let's start with episode two first. Jack Crusher, Beverly's son. There's some intrigue on the Titan. You know, Raffi's on this secret mission. So why don't we just kind of like talk through episode one, or sorry, episode two first, and then we'll jump into episode three. So Harry, what, you know, why don't you, I don't want to go through the plot, but like what stood out to you in episode two? And I'm sure you got plenty of nitpicks. Well, I always have nits, Jeff, yeah. but what I loved, and finally, 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 after two seasons of Picard, Picard actually seems on top of things. Mm. I, I really, really dug that. It's the same with episode three, is that he was not waiting. He was proactive, not reactive. He was leading, and I really dug that. You know, like how he was putting the, without anyone telling him what to do, he was putting those transporter modules there to block being transported out, him and Beverly and Jack and Riker there on the ship. So he was doing that. And I loved, loved, loved later in the episode where he was sitting in the jail cell. I think Jack was in the brig, correct? So he was talking to him, figuring out what to do with him, saying, I only have 18 minutes to figure out what I'm going to do with you because the big bad, which we could talk about that, I guess, a bit later, she, for some reason, wants Jack and all these other people are just hunting Jack, which we'll find out in episode three. And I really dug that. That was fucking awesome. So I was so happy to see that. But what was, what else did I like? So I obviously, I mean, I, I, we could talk about anything in episode two, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So obviously the end of the episode, my man, Worf, back in the fold, coming in badass. I love it. I mean, I didn't need to see another decapitation in modern Star Trek here. It's the I, first one? N- well, I mean, don't you remember all the decapitations in season one of Picard? With your good friend, Elnor? <laughs> oh, right. Forgot about Elnor, and so did the show. That's um, right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a shocking moment there. We didn't touch on this because I guess it was just lost. Like, in episode one, when Raffi was talking to the computer, I thought she was just talking to a computer. I did, Like, too. an intelligence. In reality, it's a secret handler yeah. on her operation uh, that she's doing for... Is this for Starfleet? I, I don't... It's weird. I don't well, even know well, if it is for Starfleet. Starfleet. In, so, Warp's the handler, I, and they say, in, and this is episode three, where Warp is like, our goals align... You could think of me as an independent contractor or something That's like right. that. So, so subcontractor. I, I, subcontractor. Subcontractor. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so. Uh, yeah, I won't talk about Worf in episode three, but I loved the intro. <laughs> and Michael Dorn is just a fucking badass. He's killing he, it. He's killing fucking it. Like, killing it. Yes. <laughs> killing it. Killing it right back in the first line he says, forget the little action scene, which is kind of fuzzy because Rafi's kind of hit over the head or whatever. But when he says, I told you not to engage, 
or something like that. And that's where I think the his the only line he says in episode two. That was awesome. Just the way he delivered mm. it. It's just that's just Worf. It's just he just stepped right back in without breaking a sweat. And I, I loved wonder, it. Yeah, oh. it, I agree. It was good. I wonder if it's easier for Doran to step back into it because you get all the makeup and gear on. So, you know, you look in the mirror and you're like, you're a different person. Like you look at yourself and you're a different person. I wonder if that helps as an actor or whatever. Like I think Spiner's talked about that in the past. But yeah, I, co- I completely agree. I love Doran. I wonder if he has access to Tom Cruise's stasis chamber where you like you don't oh, age <laughs> well he yeah he takes really good care of himself like, oh yeah he's less muscular now he's more much more thin but still in yeah. shape right so he's yeah. he's a boss so. he definitely brings that athleticism to the role you can even just tell like just kind of when he's walking around versus some of the other actors who i mean i i'm not trying to be ageist about it but you know like many of these yeah. actors you, you get up in years they lurch a little bit more than it, they used it to. is but it's also partly i think like probably what if you were to meet them in real life they'd probably just walk around like you know average folks do right but you're on a set like you're there for like you know 12 to 16 hours like fuck i just want to sit down okay we're doing shot 17 today all right we're gonna move around but like so sometimes, yeah, it can sometimes feel like they don't quite have the energy there. And I don't really think it's their fault. It's just the nature of filming a TV show sometimes. But like Dorn really brought it in terms of just like overall like physical energy, even though he's not mm-hmm. like quite the Hulk that Worf was in TNG DS9 era. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess then like, I mean, maybe we could talk about Vatic separately, but outside of that, Again, just digging the attention to detail, you know, the visual effects, the score. You know, I really like the bridge crew here, too, on the Titan, the no-namers. And I feel like after one episode, they almost have, I can relate to them more than I ever did on the bridge crew on Discovery. Yeah, and I don't know what it is. Maybe they got combination of luck and just, who knows, maybe good chemistry, but they do feel like a crew. Like, I could believe that Mm -hmm. it's been a six-year journey for this crew, or maybe five, right? I agree with you there, 100%. Mm -hmm. You feel like they've been together for some time, and they, yeah, they they seem to work. And I agree. I mean, Discovery did some work on that later, and because they never really intended it for it to be that type of ensemble show, right? And they sort of changed that a bit later, but completely agree. I still couldn't tell you the names of just about anybody (laughs) on the Discovery Rich. If I really thought about it, I probably could, but you're not wrong. Fair enough. So I'll leave it at that. I mean, I enjoyed the episode. I'm trying to remember if there's more details because I know Beverly was in hibernation there in stasis and then the Jack stuff, Picard stuff. I'll say this. I found a bit of the dialogue a little weird and they're doing it for dramatics, like to make it more drama and to give the surprise that Picard's the, I mean, Jack's the son of Picard at the end. I found it just hilarious that when Riker and Picard were talking after, you know, Riker and Picard seeing Jack Mm -hmm. and Riker's telling, you know, you don't see a resemblance. You don't see what's going on here. You remember they had a couple of those couple of conversations in episodes like that. And it's like, why didn't you just come out and fucking say it? It's just forced dialogue for the twist to come out at the end. See, and I, I guess I like that because we're all in on it. Yeah. Riker says to him at one point, he's like, are you serious? <laughs> you don't see it? Because in the look on Picard's face, he, he knows. But I don't know. I thought that was actually pretty good. Like Riker's so incredulous that he doesn't see the resemblance. He says it because he's talking about it through the whole episode. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he yeah. reminds me of somebody yeah. with a little like wink and a nod. But not to us, to Picard. To Picard, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, so I thought that actually was uh, was an asset there. I thought that worked really well. Okay. Well, that's all I'll say 
safe for now. If yeah. We could maybe talk about more stuff later. Jeff, I'm with you. I kind of like some of those moments where they're not like being explicit about it up front. Like they're kind of acknowledging that like the audience is sort of caught up on what is going on because there is that dialogue that they have in the turbo lift. Also, when he sa- he calls Picard like Jean-Luc, like it's sort of weird. I get that their relationship has evolved to that point, but it, it's kind of strange. Yeah, it's weird to hear it. To hear yeah. him say Jean-Luc, especially like when they were all working together, like when they were more, they were less formal. They would just call each other by the last name. Yeah, I mean, Picard was called Riker, Will, or number one. He very rarely called him Commander Riker, but yeah, it was always Captain. Yeah, exactly. But I like that dialogue in the turbo left he's like are you serious like are you not seeing this <laughs> like <laughs> i really like that yeah so actually just to maybe contrast a couple things to harry there i actually found some of the action in this episode just to be languid like when they get aboard what is jack and beverly's ship called i forget I think, the name of their ship. i think they say elios or helios i'm not sure something oh, like that elios that's right yeah, I don't know. Like when they were trying to like sort of fend off the strike there, it's like, well, they have no shields. I mean, it seems though it sort of seems like Jack could have been beamed off at like any time. And it sort of took yeah. forever. Like, I don't know. Like the action it took like, a while felt, for them to try it, right? Yeah. It's just like, uh, it's like, oh God, this action is just like I feel like we spent like 15, like a solid 15, 20 minutes on a scene that should have been about 30 to 45 seconds of like better action. And then other thing, like just, it's just like everything was kind of slowed down so much. Cause then when they're back on the Titan and then, you know, it's like, okay, you got to beam Jack over. It's like, okay, Shaw's like, okay, put him in the brig. And then there's some dialogue that is kind of meaningless. And then, then Picard is talking to Jack in the bridge. Like, I got 18 minutes to give it. It's like 18 minutes. Like, what happened in the last like four, like half an hour? Like, the time in the episode was so weird. It was just like, it was so like the pacing was all kind of off to me. I also didn't like that. I like the introduction of Shaw in the first episode. And we sort of talked about like, we don't get this kind of character really in Star Trek that often where he's just like kind of a dickhead. And this, he felt like, I don't know, like almost cowardly. Cowardly is maybe the wrong word. There is a very un-Starfleet-like demeanor to him where, like, I understand that he's like, okay, this is not a warship, we're a science vessel, but he was almost like, angry angry that he is in a situation where like an unexpected situation it's like you're not running a transporter from like earth to mars bro like you're on the frontier they come in on tuesday (laughs) (laughs) right before the executions yeah so well just to kind of finish up a couple of thoughts the other thing was one like it's a small detail but the Ferengi, I really liked the change in the makeup. Where yeah, the it was Ferengi much, looked really good. Yeah, it yes. was like it was much like a much better like flesh tone than that mm-hmm. weird fake bodybuilder bronzer that they would always put on the Ferengi in DS9. Mm. Yeah, it just looked a little bit more natural, and the ears were just like a little bit less comically large, and he was much more menacing. Like the Frankie, you know, in their initial introduction in TNG, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, that's like 30 some odd years ago. So it's kind of silly now, but they were a little more dangerous. And I did like the twist that they had with DS9 where they're like the difference in like how they are like so for profit and there are sort of criminals in there but i sort of like a little bit more like a like a gangster style ferengi in this i really liked sneed i think is the character which is a great ferengi name yeah and we have the benefit now because we're it's one week since that episode aired i had heard that in some shots 
when Rafi was pulling up Steed on the computer or something, and you had some relations like who he's kind of in dealing with. You got Cork, you got Morn, and you got something else too. So mm. I thought that was oh, funny. Okay, yeah. yeah. Some nice yeah. little details there. I didn't see it, but that's what they said. That makes sense that they would put in a couple of Easter eggs like that. I'd love to see like Morn is kind of coming back. I'm not sure who the actor <laughs> should have been Morn. Maybe Quark. Who got? Well, I, I, would, no, I wouldn't Quark, want Quark, Quark is not dangerous cap- enough for that. Yeah, that's right. No, and he, and Armin Shimmerman's probably a little. I mean, he's also not a young guy, right? So no, but it's uh, uh, he that, probably wouldn't want to do the makeup. makeup. It wouldn't matter. I bet it'd be the makeup thing. He did come back for Lower Decks, so I mean, he's game to do the character. But I, I it's probably he's like, you know, what? I'm too fucking old for this makeup. Now. Yeah, you know what? And I respect that decision. Yeah, yeah. too old for this shit. Yeah, you know, I'll go back to just on my thoughts there i i really liked shaw and i said this probably on our last review i didn't find him like cowardly it was more like put upon and you still get the impression that he's a good captain he's just doesn't have time for this bullshit well, like he well, strikes me yeah. as more of the type of cap like the type of starfleet captain who's what maybe starfleet's supposed to be like we're out yeah we're out in the unknown but we're like we're explorers well, and now you got Jeff. He was also kind of put into this position. He was railroaded by Riker yeah. and Picard, putting his whole crew 100%. into this position. So he yeah. has a right to be miffed about this. Absolutely, he does. Yes. I think they're doing a really good job so far with this character is he has every right to be pissed off. He's an explorer in on an exploratory vessel. We got these guys coming in who think it's a fucking wild west out here and we're mapping anomalies and he's still, but he's still a good captain. Like at every turn he's making what we would consider to be good decisions. He's not being stupid. He's not being overly, he's not being irrational or, or, or letting his anger cloud his judgment. He's doing the things that would still make sense. I think that's a super smart choice for that character. And to add to that, Jeff, to support your opinion. And I agree with that in episode three, Riker and Picard are having a conversation about what to do, mm-hmm. fight or fight or flee. Mm-hmm. And Riker's saying, hey, we don't have, this is not the Enterprise, the flagship of the Federation. They don't have the weaponry that the Enterprise did for them to just say, hey, let's do whatever we want. You know, so it's a smaller ship. And if that's true, if that's the case, which obviously Riker's the former captain, he knows. So that's another thing that's inside Shaw's head. Yeah. Right. So Absolutely. Yeah. I like that detail. I'm finding so far on this season, it is the detail, the story and the details coincide with each other quite a bit. And I like that. The details really just add those layers to the story. You don't just say, well, this doesn't make sense. Why would they do that? It's just, you know, for whatever reason, right? Just for drama or for whatever else, right? But there's Mm -hmm. some details there you could say, well, why is Shaw acting this way? Well, they add to that even in the next episode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think they do a good job. All right, maybe let's talk about Amanda Plummer. And I don't remember the character's name because I'm lazy. Right, thanks. Well, Nathan, tell us what your thoughts are so far on her. Um, You know, I'm a little mixed. I think that, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we haven't really seen enough, but I think that, you know, the on one hand, it's like, okay, she's really kind of cool and menacing. And she looks cool smoking like a cigarello in the she, 25th century. She looks like she's smoking that cigarette that that alien in Star Trek Six was smoking on the prison planet. Kind of. Oh, yeah. Kind of, yeah. yeah. It's like one of those, like, I can't remember what the fuck they're called. But I remember, like, when I had, like, a like a small, like, period of my life where I'm like, I'm going to try smoking some cigars. And it's like one of those, like, kind of roughly wrapped, like, vaguely chocolatey tasting kind of. It looks like something like someone in the 19th century, like 
like hand rolled and smoked. Yeah. And it's like, okay, it kind of looks cool, but sort of stupid at the same time, but I dig it. <laughs> and like, but she's menacing, but also like kind of cartoonish in a weird way. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of mixed to positive on her, but we're not I, really, I don't know. I, I feel like we're not really getting enough to like, I'm not really forming a picture on her necessarily. Cool ship, yeah. you know, yeah. and we'll get to like, uh, you know, we'll get to the portal gun later, but you know, kind of neat. I mean, I love the look of that bridge like that she's on. Like mm. it's very, it kind of, you know, that's like really kind of cool. kind of reminds me of like some of the original trilogy movies of like what they would make the like the Klingon bridges sort of look like where it's like smoky yeah. Dark and, and yeah. yeah it's like uh, I love that aesthetic like weirdly like, lit like you wouldn't light a bridge that way but it's, yeah it's just like why would you light it in such a yeah. way you can't really see you can't anything see. she's really dialing it up in this scene and I mean somebody must have been like okay like we want you to do what your dad did in that movie that time right like could you just give us General Chang that'd be great and because it would be hilarious if she was like the daughter of General Chang but yet like she was still had like that weird whatever the fuck it was from enterprise oh, that, that Klingon disease from enterprise yeah, yeah. like <laughs> that would that'd, be, that'd be amazing she's yeah. got the disease she's the daughter of general chang and tasha yar <laughs> oh, there you go gold jerry gold yeah so harry what's your thoughts on Amanda Plummer. Well, obviously you said offspring royalty for Star Trek here for Christopher Plummer, his daughter. Very good first impression. I dug her. You know, as Nathan said, I I dug the ship. I dug the bridge. It, it felt kind of like with the original movies, like Star Trek Three, kind mm-hmm. of like crew just Klingon ship. It's kind of smoky in there and dimly lidded. It it just felt right at home for Star Trek classic villains in that sense. But yeah, I dug her energy. And what I really enjoyed about her in this episode is that she gave them, hey, I'm, this guy has done some damage, he's a criminal, and we are just asking you to turn him over to us. Mm-hmm. And she's, they start off with, I mean, I can't remember, maybe you guys correct me if I'm wrong, she didn't fire anything, she didn't shoot at them. She has an opposing ship, and then they talked, and that's what she did. She yep. introduced herself, and then she just asked for Jack Crusher to be turned over. Which will be interesting, because I really don't know where this goes. I mean, Beverly says something in episode three about that, which we can, we'll get to when we talk about that episode. And obviously, we don't know all the details. We'll have to see where it goes from there. But I really dug her first impression. And then, you know, she's a little, little cackling, gleeful after, you know, the chase is on at the end of the episode. And then she starts firing on them. I don't know if I can say this now. I've been waiting forever for fucking Star Trek to use a tractor beam this way. Oh, to throw where a she, spaceship. When she threw the shuttle at the Titan. Yeah. Fucking glorious. That was that, cool. that was epic. That was amazing. Because I've always, not fantasized, but I've always wondered why tractor beams can't be used more as a weapon in Starfleet battles, in Star Trek battles. Yeah. So now we finally get to see that in action. And that is just, oh, it's so good. So I really dug all of that. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. You know what was weird? That they were shocked by it. It's like, that's the first time that someone's done it. Well, you know, I thought was weird. It's now the Vatican maneuver. The Vatican maneuver, yeah. I'll say this for Star Trek and for this episode here where I feel like it works. There have been episodes, I can't think of original series, but of TNG and I think Deep Space Nine as well, where like when they need to use the tractor beam to do anything more than tow a 
ship so, at like or, warp or push one, an asteroid or push, or push but like it's a fucking problem every time because it's such a strain on the ship like there's the episode where q becomes human and they try to push that moon out of the way of that planet and it's and it just fucking wrecks all their shit every time they try to use the tractor beam to do anything other than something real basic it's a disaster the groundhog day episode when they push the ship yeah that's right when they push the ship out, out of the way and uh cause, cause an effect, an effect yeah. yeah cause an effect. um yeah and it ruins it because it doesn't like it just i guess it's just that's not that good so by accident or by design the technology just never seemed to be all that sophisticated so when they did it here and the and it probably has a lot to do with how they filmed the scene we had never seen it before but it looked like a spectacular show of strength and it really 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 works and they say like she has advanced weaponry on her ship yeah, so she's an issue for sure all right well I guess let's talk about the big reveal end of episode two we find out that jack crusher is the offspring of picard and beverly crusher so we'll kind of close out the episode here harry so let's talk about that but anything else you want to throw in about this episode let's let's do it now yeah i'm i don't dig this twist I'm not a fan. I know, like, you okay. know, it's it's a show about Picard, so they've got to do something for it's him. It's literally called Picard. It's uh, not just about him. Yeah. <laughs> What's the name? So... Ah, uh, I just, I should have known because in the episode one, he goes, I don't need a legacy. And then now mm-hmm. this is what it is, which was bullshit, by the way. He said, mm-hmm. I'm going to write a memoir. Well, if you're writing a memoir, dickhead, that means you do care about your legacy. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, so it is what it is. I'm not a fan of this kind of stuff. It's just a trope. And I like the fact that when people make decisions like, you know, Picard, he was attached to his career. He was attached to the Enterprise. Starfleet was everything for him. He made a choice not to have a family. Yeah. And now it's just, okay, here you go. And then we've done the Picard family stuff a lot in TNG, Inner Light. Then there was that other one where he had the fake son Mm -hmm. in TNG as well. And it's just like, ah. I mean, I'm not saying this isn't going to work. It's just I'm not a fan. I just don't like it. But there is a very, very awesome part about him having a son in episode three, which I'll get to as a fallout for this. But I'm not just not a fan. It's just a creative choice I don't like. Maybe we'll talk more about it in, in episode, for episode three in a few minutes here because uh, we can dig into it a little bit more. Does anybody else think it's weird that she named Picard's son after her dead <laughs> husband? That's right. Who died yeah. under Picard's. It's like your wife having a baby and she names the kid after like her ex-boyfriend that you like killed in a car crash. It's, it's like by time. accident, right? Like maybe you're driving too fast and he was in the passenger seat. But it's just a little bizarre, isn't it? Yep. Very bizarre. Yeah, I wonder uh, if it was like partly like an F you. Like it, it like, could oh, be. We'll get in order into that. Because, because you'd have to have you'd have to introduce him to. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a good point, and I'd be surprised if it doesn't happen more often in real life. Like considering the number oh, yeah, of people who sure. are willing to name their child Khaleesi, I'm sure there's many more fucked up children names out there. You know, to be honest, they're I just think you there are other license plates. Anyway. I just think you'd choose something else, like Wesley 2 or something Wesley, like that. I was literally thinking Wesley 2 right before you said it. It's like, Wesley again. Yeah. Because <laughs> it seems like where, she's where still bitter Wesley? about it. He's off in space-time. Uh, Wesley's on another plane of existence. He, can he does not visit existence. his mother, it seems, and nope. she's bitter about it. Oh, yes. This is all Wesley's fault. Let's just be clear. He can't catch a break. And he could probably fix it. He could. He oh, could yeah. fix a 
many of these problems. He oh, yes. could fix it. No, he's well, just an observer and a traveler. He can't still talk to his mom. Hey, mom, I'm traveling, but how's it going? Well, I, I don't know about that. Which That's... is weird because they popped him into season two of Picard for that one scene. It is odd that they're like, you know what? Yeah. He's going to show up to like Riker and Deanna's wedding and then that's it. He's out of there. He's going to yeet out as the kids say and like, yeah, we're gone. I wonder if he shows up in season three here. No, I doubt it. You got to like his agents on the phone, right? He's just getting busy. (laughs) His agents saying, please, please. There's reason I should be here now. Like maybe we missed missed the email or the voicemail or whatever, but like we're ready to go, guys. Like we're here. He's too busy doing his podcast. He doesn't have time for these. He doesn't have time to be in a television show. Okay, so let's move on to episode two, I suppose, unless anybody's got anything else about episode one, but it's all. How about episode three? That's what I meant. Just a quick aside. I mean, what are your thoughts? You guys, you dig the fact that Picard has a son now or? Well. Or you have to wait and see how it plays well, out. Okay. That's a loaded question. Yeah, it's the a idea question. of like, do you dig the idea of him having a son? Well, okay, if you're talking about like at the end of episode two, I like personally, I actually liked the delivery of his line, and I did like that they sort of played a little bit, or like they danced around it without it being too explicit, and sort of saying the audience, like, okay, we're picking up what you're laying down. So on a writing level, I kind of like that. They're like, we know what's going on here, right? And so the last line of Are you, he is my son, no other actor could have delivered a stupider line <laughs> than <laughs> that Sir Patrick Stewart. You see it coming from a mile away, that line, and it's like not the best written line or whatever, but like it totally worked for me, given sort of the context of it. Now, as to whether or not the idea of it, we can engage with afterwards. I liked it and like, you know, like the pen in shot and everything like that. And we haven't really talked about 709 at this point. It's weird that she was not immediately arrested for insubordination at the start. Like it almost kind of happens at the end of the episode. He relieves her of duty. He doesn't like. But she's still throw around. Her to the, but she's not going no, to the quarters till basically no, no. the end of the episode. Well, I, yeah, but like he isn't like being a huge dick and like there's a crisis and she is helping. Right. It kind of made sense to me at that point where yeah. like. Like she's kind of getting back into the action. He wasn't considering her to be a threat to the ship and combining Mm -hmm. at that point. Yeah. You know, there's, but I, I do think that there is like some, the character of Shaw is actually pretty interesting. I think in sort of the grand scheme of things, especially with the, I think the juxtaposition of seven as like that dynamic, like we don't often really see that in Trek. Like we talked about how we don't really see the character of Shaw in Trek that often, like you get like a Jellicoe or whatever, but you often don't do not see a first officer and captain out of lockstep like that i thought it was an interesting dynamic because you just you're automatically on seven's side because like you know y'all love seven her. of nine yeah it's seven of nine we love jerry ryan and you know like so she's and she, she's such a badass that it's sort of weird it's like she's kind of like is she in the wrong or not i'm not really sure it's, it's sort of a weird i don't know i really liked it i wish that like i mean you could almost do a show just on that alone I don't know if I gave away this on the last one, but like, or I thought about this, but like, I mean, can we get a seven of nine show now? Can we have a seven of nine with Worf show? Yeah. Well, because why not? like Dorn is back. I just Jerry don't, Ryan I don't, is killing. I don't think, Worf. but here's the thing is I, I was just listening to a couple interviews. I think he wants to be in it, but I, he's like, I think he's out on just the fucking makeup, uh, you know, like it's so much. And that's right. a fair point, right? Because I mean, how many? TV. Yeah, yeah. Like, how many hours of makeup does the guy have to go 
through. He should okay. just not take it off. Yeah, he should off. never take it off. Never he should be like one off. of those He's... weird like lizard men who like have their faces like <laughs> surgically altered. Because Dorn's probably done more hours of Star Trek than any other act, right? He's been in more Star Trek than anybody, any other single human being. So I think he's... He loved doing it, but I was just, he's just like, oh, the makeup, you know, so. They can't, like, well, I guess, like, maybe it's budgetary considerations, but it's like, man, we can't, like, deep fake that, make him just, like, look like Worf all the time. I just now. don't think it would look right. You know, you can do the de-aging stuff, but you can do, like, the ridges and the all of that, the hair and the, the goatee and everything. I mean, it's, it just seems like it would be, well, whatever. It, that's neither here nor there. But I want a 7 of 9 spinoff, and I don't care what form it takes. All right, let's jump into episode 3, which obviously just picks up where we left off. Worf, Raffi, the Titan in the Nebula after they attack the Shrike. Card Sun, I mean, man, there's all Beverly. There's, shit, there's, so, there's actually so much going on in this episode. Mm-hmm. Direct and Frakes, the deft hand of Jonathan Frakes as in the director's chair for this one well nathan why don't you start for episode three here what was awesome what what are your nitpicks you know the things that are awesome are actually now the raffi stuff is pretty cool now you've introduced wharf into the mix i don't know i was not really digging a lot of the raffi stuff kind of up to this point although the thing was sneak like the sneak stuff was i was like well it's kind, of, it's kind of a cool scene or whatever but now that you okay you got like a nice two-hander with like her and wharf which is kind of fun i felt like a lot like much the pacing of this episode was much better than episode two it was almost like night and day like i really did not like the pacing of episode two where i felt like there was like a real loss of tension we're going back to episode two here you know you got like 40 minutes and yet it's like it's supposed to be condensed into like an uh, like an hour of time of like you have like a deadline to hand them over it's like why are we just like sitting around half the time so i felt like the way they move back and forth between the scenes really moved the story forward really nicely for me I really enjoyed a lot more of the character moments between Riker and Picard and their dynamic. I felt like their relationship is kind of weird now because like we got some of this in season one, but there's still like a lot of like backstory that we've never really because we kind of ended with like the movies and the, that dynamic never really changed from the show. And they, there's like a whole like couple of decades. Actually, how many? How much time has really been between I, I, I think like they, Nemesis and this? It's like ten years, twenty years. I've, no, no, I think it's essentially like real time for us as well. So, like Nemesis came out in whatever oh four oh five. Okay, so, so it's, it's it's almost two decades. It's almost twenty years, I believe. That's correct. Okay, so I liked a lot of their interactions, where especially towards the end of the episode, after Shaw kind of gives command back to Riker of Riker, like becoming very frustrated with Picard but also not like really willing to like dress him down necessarily because it's like mm-hmm. this is a, like this was his mentor until the end where he says you killed us all get the you fuck out of this all there's a dressing down that was that was some cold ass shit yeah, that's right, right fucking there and like just the defeat in Picard's face is like oh I really am a doddering old man who doesn't know anything I was really confused about what the fuck Picard was doing in this episode because, like, we got to attack him. Attack, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. It was so bizarre. For It's that, forced. So that's one complaint I have is a bit of the dialogue. Forced tension. It's just absolutely, drama. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, not natural. It made no sense whatsoever. Yeah. They, they should have been the, arguing over how to escape, not whether to escape or to attack. Like, yes. they both should have been like, we have the fuck out of here, guys. Well, I'm okay 
okay with Picard saying, having that suggestion, until Riker tells him, hey, the Titan isn't the Enterprise. There's no way we would win in that fight. So then once Picard learns that, then it's a different story. Then you're right. Then that should be, how do we get out? How do we solve this problem and get out of this situation without a one-on-one confrontation? 100%. Like, it was so bizarre. Actually, another interaction I really liked was Picard and Beverly when he kind of confronts her about like the existence of Jack and he's like I should have been there and it's kind of weird because it's almost kind of like the argument that you get in superhero movies of like why Spider-Man, Batman, whoever can't be with the person that they want to be with and she's like you're Jean-Luc Picard like you are literally your life is in danger week after week and almost on that schedule for some weird reason yeah yeah, and she knew the day too so you remember that the Tuesday afterwards, you were captured by Romulan terrorists. You know, it's kind of funny. <laughs> the other thing was like, oh, they don't have email in the future. It's like, I couldn't tell you. It's like, really? You couldn't just send like a message? It's not like you have to tell them. In, I guess maybe it's best to tell them, tell them in real time. But like, I don't know. It's sort of weird. Like there's many times on TNG when there's kind of sitting around like doing fuck all. It's space. They're in transit for like 95% of their lives. Yeah. That, and that's kind of the funny thing. Like Orville kind of does that pretty well. It's just like, we're not really doing anything in between yeah. missions. Like we're just kind of sitting here. But I mean, she does kind of bring up like a good point. It's like, you are like, you're one of the most famous people of all time. You just have a target on you at all times. I mean, it'd be like, I mean, if you think of like any a US president, I'm not going to name names. But if they had like a secret love child, right, they would absolutely be a target because American presidents really are just one of the most famous people on the planet, but also very politically endangered at the same time. It's one thing to be like a celebrity's love child, but he just has like a, a, like a much higher profile. See, I'll disagree. I don't buy this at all. And I'll break it down for you here because that's Oh, please do, because I disagree with your disagreement. Well, so (laughs) as you're saying, and they try to make us believe this in Star Trek, and this isn't the first time that these guys are super famous. The galaxy is huge. There are trillions of trillions upon trillions of, we'll say, sentient life forms of different species spread across hundreds, thousands of worlds. And the hubris of these people to think we're so fucking famous, we're Starfleet. Okay, hang on. No, I, I are thousands of starships. I believe that they're famous to each other, but I don't think there's any way that they're so famous that there's a, as the quote in the episode, a target on their back. I just don't buy it. You're one I, guy I, on I one I would ship. push back on that. If you're talking about like like the actual reality of what it would be, yes, it would be so insane because like the population of the universe in Star Trek is so enormous compared to real life. Like this planet of nine billion people, which is like a pinprick in what would be Star Trek. The thing, though, is that like an organization like Starfleet and the Federation are huge political players on the galactic scene. And yet and you would have mm. certain individuals within those organizations that are like the power players. And Picard is just one of those power I, players. I believe and also, that- but in the reality of it, that is true. We do see that. That is an actual fact. It yeah. happens, but it only happens because the show says it happens. Y- yes. And I, every it, time they do that, I call bullshit. I believe that the like Kirk, you know, Spock, Card, Data, I believe they're famous in Starfleet. No, 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 no. Kirk Outside is famous. 
galaxy wide. Come on. But he's not. He's <laughs> famous in Starfleet. Everybody else. The Klingons know his name. The Romulans they, know his name. They know that maybe like some of those like real war nerds know like, oh, this guy did I, the battle of whatever at this no, other I, thing. I, 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 like, would, okay, I those would guys argue. Would, there's no if, way. If there's no listen, way in the real world. There's no way these guys are famous beyond this particular. Kirk would be a legend. In, in no, he wouldn't of, be. And yeah, amongst. Would, in the future, you, there are. How many, are, how many famous Navy captains can you name for me in real life? Zero. But the exactly. problem is, though, that, no, hang on. First of all, we are not alien space terrorists for one. No, thing. we're not. So, we're regular people on the same planet are. as these that's Navy the, captains. That's the thing, though. If you were to listen to political podcasts, like they sort of have, like, they may not be able to, like, name right. every single, like, naval if, captain necessarily. But that's, but that's but, my point, is if you but, listen to that stuff, which is super niche in this galaxy, I believe that they would be known in these, in this one particular niche, like this one Starfleet captain. And, and that's all it takes though. Thousands. That's all it takes. If you were in a galaxy full, uh, the thing though, uh, that's the problem though, is that like Starfleet and the Federation are political players. And if your top pieces are potential targets, there's yes. a better way. There's a better way to play it. Guys, There's a better guys, way to guys. play it. That Let's would be easy. One, for time, I think we should move on. <laughs> and two, I disagree. All the offspring that Kirk has sired throughout the galaxy, they all scream his name, Kirk. <laughs> That's he is just known. really creepy. It's just really weird, man. <laughs> There's a better way to play it. I'll put my last word on this, and I'm running the show, so I get the last word. Easy way to play it is you've made enemies. So, like, you could say that the specific people that you've crossed, like a Tomaluk, for example, like, you screwed that guy, you did this thing to that guy, like, you've made enemies in your work, and they're taking numbers, and they're going to come back. Like, that's believable. But just people gunning for you because you're famous doesn't add up. So I think there's more to say about the Beverly Picard thing. I'll talk about it when I get a chance. But yeah, you guys go no, ahead. No. Finish. I was just going to say like their conversation there. Here's my take on it. If you need that much exposition to explain why Beverly would cut off her entire family, you need that much explanation for it. Patrick did a good job. Gates a good job. You need that much explanation. It means you know, like when you're writing it and you're like, okay, well, this we really need to fucking get some hula hoops out here to jump through because we know this doesn't work otherwise, right? So that's, and I mean, I can accept it just because we got to get, you know, we've got a show to watch and this is the situation they're creating. So like I can cut them some slack there, but didn't buy it. All right, Harry, your turn. I loved that, that my favorite part of this episode was their conversation, mainly for the performances. Like, did you see, my favorite part, did you see the steely look that Picard gave Crusher when he walked in and everyone left med bay mm. or sick bay and oh that look he gave her it was could burn through metal it was so good and i loved their conversation i loved the tension and you could see both sides now in reality like as picard is 100 percent right and i love this you one you don't get to make those choices without informing me i believe that and if they had a relationship a serious one again off and on five times and she got pregnant 
she should tell him. And if she didn't want, if she was fearful for her son's life, then she should say, you know what? This won't work with us and it won't work with you for the safety of the boy. So I'm leaving and I need to keep him safe away from you. That's my opinion. You have to give him at least that much right. And then he gets a choice. Picard, well, if that's the case, and I leave Starfleet. D- despite the fact that she says, well, I know you would never leave, which is what she says in this episode, because you love it. You love the attention. You love the being captain and you love getting in, getting into adventures, which gets you into trouble. But he, she deserved to tell him that. So I find this a bit convoluted just for dramatic stake. Again, going back to the writing. But man, the scene was so, so good. I loved it. That was my favorite part of the episode. That was actually another part that I enjoyed was when she kind of called him out. It's like, you love being who you are and what you represent. Yeah. Like, what did she say? She says uh, when the when the galaxy calls, you don't feel yeah. put upon. Love it it. kind of reminded me a little bit of the Dark Knight when What's-Her-Face is like, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but uh, the sentiment is you can't stop being Batman because deep down you love it. Mm-hmm. So I just have a general question for both of you since we're talking about this. Do you agree with what I said? She should, you know, if you're talking about two mature adults and these are supposed to be, she, you know, she's supposed to be mature. She's, you know, not evolved, but the Starfleet, you know, in the future, you have rights. I know you're scared. You have a right to be scared. You don't want to still talk about this with the actual biological father and then say, I'm making a decision for the safety of the child and I'm leaving Starfleet. And then, you know, yada, yada, yada. Would you guys agree with that or no? I don't know. Like, that's a real tough call What's the question? Sorry? Well, do you agree with she should have at least have told him? Give him the opportunity. I I suppose, I mean, there's an argument to be made that yes. But, I mean, I think, like, from her point of view is that, like, she feels that, I, I think her point, though, is, like, you could never give up being you you have such a bullseye on you and everyone around you. Well, the thing is, like, I, so, so I, I think that it's a good, I don't know, like, there's no, like, good answer necessarily to it. Like, it's not like our, there's no, like, black and white answer of, like, yes or no. I understand, like, Picard's point of, like, maybe I could have changed. Because he is basically saying, he's like, okay, you're not wrong, but I could have, like, I could have just retired. Yeah, we'll never know because I might have, right, yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is like all of her words make sense. Her justification makes sense. I agree with Harry. Like she should have told him. It's just like Wrath of Khan. Like we learned that Kirk had a son. Yes. But he made a decision. Yeah. She told him. But that was that worked. We never knew Kirk had a son before that. Right. Never come up. It comes up here. It worked really well how they did it in Wrath of Khan. You read it all without them having really a scene about it, anything. Like, you knew that he knew she had told him, but they mm. decided never to tell David. The whole, it actually worked really worked well. Really well. well. Very Beautiful. well. Almost. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. And here, I guess you can't just echo what they did in Wrath of Khan, but because they did so well there, and they're using so much exposition here to like justify why she didn't tell Picard, I think it would have made a lot more sense if she had told him and been like, listen, I told him about you. He doesn't want to see you. And that had been in the past. Like that would have been better. I think that just would have made a lot more sense. I don't believe Beverly cuts out all of her friends and everybody that just was, because of it, that. It, that just, I, yeah, I think, yeah. That I, think, I agree with. Yeah. And certainly in like that light, yeah. it's sort of weird because of the weird, like the family that they had. I've kind of find like her explanation makes sense if in the context of if it was just the two of them, but they have yeah. this extended family that she's like, no, I got to like get the hell out of here from everyone. Yeah. Then it, it's sort of strange. 
strains credibility a little bit. Yeah. And it doesn't ruin it for me. I'm just like, I didn't expect to actually argue this point because I just thought you guys would agree with me and we'd move on. <laughs> but anyway, so let's move on. It's actually not, if you're going to do a reunion show, you got to have a reason to split them all up. And if this is the reason then, you know, that's fine. And in practicality standpoint, you have to give Gates McFadden some meat to chew and, on. And I'm all for that because... You know, we're going to have her have sex with a lamp again. I just don't think it's going to fucking play. <laughs> you know, she'd probably do it, but, you know, I'm glad they're giving her. And she's great. I mean. Oh, uh, she did a great scene. Yeah, that was a, she's fantastic. Awesome. I love that scene. Great. And I think I said this before, but I'm, I'm so impressed with her and Frakes as well. Like, they haven't acted in so long. And they just step back onto the set, a little makeup, and they, they're all friends. And they're right back in it. And back I think it's form. fantastic. Like, back yeah. to form in a way that like outshines many of the other actors on the show yes. which is i'm kind of glad that they don't bring some, back some of the other actors from some of the other shows because they would just i think the dichotomy between the skill would be too much to handle yeah like if they tried to throw in well, i was gonna say o'brien but o'brien is actually really really good so yeah, anyway i was gonna say like a harry kim like you couldn't have harry <laughs> kim as the captain of the tight no way doesn't work sorry if only if he immediately got killed oh god i don't think the fandom would or, stand for that there, or a tom a, or a tom paris just just shredded by a bat lethargy immediately <laughs> like collateral damage as warp is killing that slices off that ferengi's head and there's tom oh, paris <laughs> standing right behind him with the oh. drink because he's a bartender now anyway so let's okay so let's move on i guess we've spent enough time with that Shit, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, they're just playing hide-and-seek in the nebula here. Harry, give us your thoughts on episode three here. It was awesome. Any nitpicks? Okay. okay, so I talked about the Beverly Picard scene. What I also really loved was Worf, of course. I love when he introduces himself to Rafi. He goes on, who are you? And he goes, son uh, of this, son of that, house of this. And then he, then the chamomile tea line. Oh, I bust out laughing. <laughs> that was fantastic. That was great. It's so yeah. great. Oh my God. I love Worf. And I do not like Rafi as a character. I don't think Michelle Hurd's a very good actor as well. I think she's out of her league here, in my opinion. But I am now finally looking forward to a little bit more of their dynamic. So they're trying to show that he's changed. He's a bit more pacifist, even though his first action was to decapitate somebody in the previous episode. But it looks like then they're going to be kind of like, you know, the mentor relationship because he calls her. I could see that you're a warrior, despite that you're addicted to how many drugs be that as it may. Recovering covering at it she's a terrible character but i'm hoping that her teaming up with Worf will improve her character somewhat so i am looking forward to that so i'm digging that do you want me to get in my nitpicks right now well yeah okay. i asked you okay to okay, okay well. so change links great link the dominion founders all that stuff i'm not sure i dig it <laughs> I well, mean, I know, I know not, it's a that's terrorist. not really a nitpick, though. We're not there. Like, we don't know what's up yet with those No, guys. we don't. We don't. It just feels, to me, it felt shoehorned. Feels shoehorned that's, in. That's really? obviously shoehorned? a major point, though. That's not a shoehorn. That's going to be a major plot point. Uh, I don't know. To me, I have to see where it goes. the whole thing, right? Dude, of that's all the people, of all the people who would, like, not like that, I'm surprised that you would say that. Because if, if, uh, if there's I any know. way you're going to get Cisco back... <laughs> If Cisco appears in this season, which obviously you won't, then I forgive anything. It doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want. I disagree. Well, okay. You keep going, Harry. Okay. It's Anyways, I, the cloak and dagger stuff with the changeling on the ship is logical for the sabotage and all that stuff. So I dug that. 
I just don't know about their involvement here. I hope it's a bigger play. I thought they said, oh, when Worf was talking about them, he said that after the war, there was a split. Then they formed a, a terrorist cult or something like that. Some of the like splitter group, yeah, splitter group or something. So I don't know, because if you look at this now, think about it. We got we still have Moriarty coming through the hole here. You got Laura coming through the hole here. You got now these guys and you still have Vatic. You're telling me this is all linked and yes. we have, it has to be a masterful job to make this work. It's just, it feels well, it's, like it's, it's getting It's obviously too all linked, though, right? Because she's got the portal gun, which is the terrorist attack. That's the weapon that was stolen from the Daystrom Institute. But also, supposedly, that's a red herring for what they... Right. It's already all linked. Is... So you're saying it's the Great Link. Well, it's the, it's the option <laughs> no pun in, of the Great Link. No pun intended. No, you, you didn't get the joke, but that's... Well, I mean, I was used to jokes being funnier, I guess. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's obviously connected. This is the... I know, I thought you were... I thought you were going to be all in on this, uh, so I'm, I'm a little surprised. Uh, but that's okay. We'll, we'll see. Well, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, uh, it's all um, in the execution, as we often say on the show, right? Sure, yeah, and we'll have to see. But the other thing that I did like was the Riker-Picard tension on the set. I dug some of it. But I just found then it's really, as you guys said, Picard's the, it's the anti-Picard. We have to fight right away. Yeah. First instinct. It's like, isn't that, you know, the other way around? Shouldn't yeah. it be the other way around? You know, that's not really Picard. And then at the end, when he says, you doomed us all, get the fuck <laughs> off the bridge. I laughed my ass off. I was like, oh boy. They're going to put him in an escape pod and shoot him down some ice planet. And it's a little harsh because at the end, like they were put into, because of that awesome portal gun, they were put into a no win scenario at that point from yeah. anyone's perspective. So then he, Riker, I guess, agrees saying, yeah, we got to fight now. They line up behind them in a very Wrath of Khanish style, which was kind of cool. I dug that. They shoot. And then the portal gun was used so effectively, it was awesome. Yeah. How Vatic just, you know, puts it back on them. And Riker's upset at him saying, you killed us all? Get the fuck off the bridge? I mean, come on. I thought that was a little harsh. <laughs> considering yeah. you know the technology that's being used against them i agree i mean i don't know if, if i was gonna say it was funny it's not really funny but when they do that they come up behind they shoot the photon torpedoes and and they use the technology i'm like yeah i guess that's exactly that's obviously what they would have done didn't they see that coming but i guess they haven't really dealt with that technology before so they have trouble wrapping their heads around it maybe but yeah i think uh, so i think that's the but explanation very cool weapon for sure lots of neat implications there for action scenes so i don't know if you guys ever played the video game portal you guys ever played portal i know of the game i never played it i had more of like dr strange so yeah similar thing because they kind of did that and i was just like i think dr strange stole it from portal that's what i think it kind well i I, well i think doctor probably invented it first from the comic books but i kind of expected like someone to be saying like dormammu like about 50 times over as they're trying to get away Nope, nothing. All right. Yeah, valiant effort. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Also, I recommend Portal and a sequel, which I think is called Portal 2. I'm not sure. Anyway, Portal 2, great game. So, all right. Man, I was worried about Shaw for a minute there. He got, when he bashed his head on the, on that beam, oof, that was a tough, he's going to have a concussion there. That was a, that was Also, their ship doctor sucks. Yeah. Because like, he is clearly, he is clearly in distress dying and she's like, "Ah, what are you going to (laughs) do? Nothing. (laughs) You know, it's like, I can't figure it out. And Beverly's like, well, you know, this is like, no, 
Tri- and she's, uh, she's, tr- tri- she's a trill. She's yeah. got to have yeah. like lifetimes of experience. Lifetime experience. Yes. Not, oh, even like, not as a doctor. It's just like, you've seen this before, man. Come you, on. It, and then she says, well, I did a scan. And, yeah. Then, yeah. and then it's like, I could just hear Dr. McCoy, like, you know, DeForest Kelly just scream from the heavens. It's like, what are we dealing with? The old ages or whatever it is? It's like medieval the ages. The dark it's, ages. The dark ages and stuff. What is it's it, like, you got to use your hands. You're a doctor. You got to stick your hands right up in his guts. <laughs> That was unbelievable. I mean, he is clearly in distress about to die, and their doctor is just like, nah, I don't know what to fix. Yeah, right. those scans said it was fine, so he's I got nothing. ready to go. I got, yeah, nothing. I got nothing, guys. Got nothing. I got nothing. Yeah, that was crazy. But I mean, did anyone think it was weird well, that like Shaw was so pissed that he's like, you know what? You fucking deal with it, Riker. Command is well, your. He's also no, he's that he's so injured that he he's can't. injured. I think it would have been better, in my opinion, because they zoom down and show he has a leg injury. I think it would have been better if he actually had like a little bit more of a serious visual trauma, like to his abdomen or his torso or something like that, where he had to go. Here, it's just like, it kind of, it's no, just like, ah, uh, you a little bit of a pussy, right? Like, no, come on. he had it's a, knee injury. a head injury, man. His, fat, his fucking head was fucked up. His lungs were filling up with blood. I mean, that that's yeah. actually a more, more insidious type he, of injury when like you can't it. breathe and there was no like outward yeah. injury necessarily. I'm just saying from a visual perspective. Like, come on, you got all your limbs, dude. Come on. Actually, they could have lopped off a limb, but maybe that would have been a bit too extreme. I did find it strange. And I know that I'm glad they went down with the sabotage route that with this, what is it called? Deuterium leak or whatever that is. But don't you think they're saying, how are they tracking us? Why couldn't sensors from the bridge detect that we're leaking deuterium? That is so weird is? because, yeah, that is so strange because like yeah, the idea you know, is that, oh, they can track us somehow. Like, And they keep talking about it. They actually know something's wrong. How are they tracking us? So let's now do a sensor sweep or something and figure this out. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, it, because the way like Star Trek is, off, I don't know. Like, it's one of those weird things in Star Trek where, like, when you sort of need sensors to be so accurate for the story, and then other times, like, oh, we really yeah. don't really know. Because, like, a lot of times, like in Star Trek, it sort of seems like somebody farts somewhere, like they know about it. Everybody knows. <laughs> and yeah, for this, like a very like a very obvious act of sabotage, like oh, you're leaking deuterium gas. Like I've listened to people who like have worked on aircraft carriers and like i'm not saying like those are quite like starships but it's like everything is monitored you know like to the nth degree so like you're leaking and deuterium is like part of their fuel source i think you'd fucking figure it out at some point unless there is like you could probably explain it away as saying like i guess we could waste screen time with it but like the saboteur could have masked like all they need is a scene is like oh the saboteur must have masked our deuterium but but, but there's an entire like section that is like apparently flooded with deuterium and you can't walk into it yeah like it's one thing if it's like See, like someone like stuck like a pipe out the back end. These like, you know. are nitpicks, Harry. This is yeah. this is nitpicking right yeah. now. This is the nitpick. Yeah, I know it's a nitpick. This scene's here for Jerry Ryan and the other guy, the Jack Crusher actor, to have something to do in this episode. Like, I was wondering, like, were their communicators broken? Because he tries yeah. to get to the bridge and he gets turned away, and then he goes to seven, and they're like, okay, and she's like, okay, let's go do this thing, and he punches out the security guard. And I'm sorry, you can't punch out somebody with one hit, especially not a guy who's twice your size. But I hate that trope in TV. Oh, boom, and he's that. unconscious. Like, no, you, you have a world of Vulcan pinches. Like, why could she there do you that go. and stuns or whatever something but like i'm Don't sorry the- you're not gonna cold cock that guy no i hate and it. 
And then they go and find the deuterium leak. And then Seven of Nine calls the bridge. Like five minutes later. After you know, seeing right the there. sabotage. It wasn't like, oh, yeah. like it, it, she knew it was sabotage right from the get. You know, Riker trusts you. You know, Picard, you're like, okay, you you don't know Shaw's on the, in sickbay because you're in your quarters. But like, you'd still call Riker because you know that he trusts you. Like, you just call, like, why don't you call somebody, man? <laughs> it doesn't make any, I don't know. We're probably getting a little deep into the nitpicks here. So, and Star Trek's full of them. So I, I'm not going to like hang the show on. No, no, that's a nitpick. That's a nitpick. That's a nitpick. So I do want to say, one thing yeah again we talked about the bridge crew i loved the fact that they took the time to give this no-name vulcan science officer some meat and mm. they listened yes. to her yeah you know they're yeah. talking about we shouldn't be going more deeper into the nebula and she talks about logically we shouldn't be doing this and yada 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 and they listened to her fantastic I love it. It's great how they're involving. And then there's another scene. I know it's kind of just, you know, talky talky scene where LaForge's daughter goes to Seven of Nine's yeah. quarters and talks to her. And, you know, that was a nice scene, too. I dug it. Mm. It's just nice that, you know, with all the stuff that's going on, it's a fast paced episode and Freaks, you know, Deft Hand we talked about. It's just good. It's just, I was just very impressed yeah. that they got all this done. I mean, I agree. I mean, for all of our nitpicking, which is just mostly for fun. It's still very action-oriented, but still feels very cinematic Star Trek. And you're totally right with the bridge crew. It's it's almost like somebody who actually watched Star Trek is making these shows. And that's yes. a real nice change from the first two seasons. That we get some actual, even though it's like action-adventure, but it is still very Star Trek. It's very keeping with what we know. And, and I think they're doing a good job playing in that sandbox. All right. And I was on the edge of my seat as says the episode comes to a close. Like, good cliffhanger. I mean, it's been a while since I've had a good Star Trek cliffhanger. And thankfully, we'll see what happens in only seven days' time. But like, I thought it was a good episode. I really enjoyed it. And I'm really enjoying the season. They're not wasting any time. We're three episodes in, and they've accomplished more than all previous 20 episodes of one and two combined. Like, right? They meandered oh, for yes. so many. It took forever to fucking get going. And this, boom, boom, boom. I don't necessarily want to say home runs, but three solid solid hits right out of the gate here i'm I'm glad they're not wasting my fucking time with my legacy characters everybody's getting some meat they're right there i can't wait i think jordy's the only one we haven't met up with yet so I'll, i guess i'll expect him in episode four and hopefully it won't be too long before to get the whole gang together so Harry, what are your final thoughts here, maybe? Pretty much agree with you, man. I loved these two episodes. I mean, I loved even, I liked the slower pace of episode two. I was fine with it because, you know, you have agency for the storyline, unlike the other two seasons of Picard, where it was just walking around aimlessly. Here, there's focus. So I dug it. And this third episode, more action paced. And I dug that too. And I like the tension. I like the fact that, you know, it's not all, it's a mixture, right? You got some love and some conflict between these legacy characters here and using this new Titan crew to pretty much almost like its best potential so far. We'll see. I mean, Shaw might be getting fridged here a little bit, but <laughs> we'll see what happens there. I love it. You know, I love everything I'm seeing here. So fantastic two episodes, solid recommends for me. Can't wait to see right. what's next.
I'm hooked. Yeah, right on. Uh, so, Nathan, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't know if I dig episode two quite as much, but I thought episode three was awesome. Yeah, I thought it ended on a great cliffhanger, and I'm I'm really excited for the next episode. Yeah, all right. Well, that's great. I, I uh, think we're all in agreement here. What a relief. Hey, guys, that it's it's finally good, hopefully. <laughs> that it's not a drag. Like, we're not, not just like, oh, God, we committed to, like, yeah. reviewing this. It's almost like, yeah, it's like that, but it's almost like with season one and two, at the end of every episode, it's almost like somebody had given you, like, really bad news, but you're like, okay, you know what? It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. Everybody, everything's going to be all right. Next week, they're going to be okay. It's going to be fine. That's kind of how I felt like at the end of every episode of Picard. Now it's fine. Like now they, it's okay. Now we're fine. And that's such a relief. So, all right. Well, I guess we can uh, wrap it up there, guys. Unless anybody has any final thoughts, we'll close the episode there. I think we'll come back again in two weeks to review episodes four and five. And I think we're all really looking forward to it. Yes, rock totally. On. Rock on. All right. Rock on. All right. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.